Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, sports fans. Fill up that coffee cup and that bowl. Sit back and relax. Because live from Colorado, it's time for the Sports Offensive. Hey, good morning out there, sports fans, and thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Sports Offensive. Happy to be coming to you live from Colorado. We are doing a bit of on-location work today. We've got JP down in our south side studios at Veranda. We've got Nate Dog over at the, uh, I guess, of the west side studios down at Canosa. And I'm coming to you live from our Broomfield studios. I uh, have to do a little remote work this morning. Uh, we are going to cover a myriad of topics. There's more going on right now than we could possibly discuss. We'll definitely be covering uh, the upcoming Selection Sunday for NCAA tournament and the fallout from the um, – division finals or conference championships uh we're going to be reviewing all of the latest free agency news in the nfl and uh, also of course dip into major league baseball as we're coming down to the stretch run in the spring training season and getting ready for baseball to kick off i believe i've got jp on the line over there jp can you hear me yes i can what's up good morning yeah it's a, a nice morning out there i tell you what from coming from the bombo cyclone or Bombo Genesis, or whatever they called that storm we had back on Wednesday. It's sunny. It is warm. I was outside in a T-shirt and having no problems whatsoever. So uh, I think it's safe to say that spring, while officially happens next week, I think for us is not more than about three weeks away. That's what it seems like. I had the uh, sunroof on my Jeep open yesterday when my Jeep was working, and it was absolutely nice out. I had a polo shirt on and some jeans. Yeah, you know, and uh, I can only say that this morning, because there was going to be no Santiago's burritos, I decided to swing by Mickey D's and grab a breakfast. And I tell you what, I, I realize every time I go there why I shouldn't, because I can't believe how hard it is for people to just place the order that you give them. <laughs> you know, it's just like, um, you have a big number on your menu for this thing and would kind of think if I give you that menu number, it wouldn't be that hard to uh, to get it. But, you know, I I digress. So. Anyway, um, do you want to go ahead and dive into the Sports Offensive Trivia Question of the Week? Sure will, man. This is a good one because we have Tennessee and, and Kentucky for the third time today. Um, hold on one second here. Uh, I got to – okay. We've got Tennessee and Kentucky for the third time today. Now, both teams won their home games uh, in route fashion. So, the, question, the Sports Offensive Question of the Day is, when is the last time – Tennessee beat Kentucky in the SEC basketball tournament. Last time, Tennessee beat Kentucky in the SEC basketball tournament. Will you give our listeners uh, like a a cheat sheet in terms of like the last time that they were both like in the SEC basketball tournament or are they both in it every year? They're in it every year. Do you know the last time that they played? the, The last time that Tennessee actually won a game against Kentucky. Gotcha, gotcha. 
quarterfinal round, the the bottom, there's, I think, 14 teams in the ACC off the top of my head. Like, teams number 7 through 14 all play uh, each other from, like, Monday to Wednesday, and then those teams, the teams that win, move on to play the uh, Virginia, the Duke, the North Carolinas, the Florida State. So, but they, I, they all, they all, they, the, the tour, every, every team plays in the tournament every year. And then yesterday, Tennessee beat, was it LSU, or did Tennessee beat uh, uh, Florida State? I can't remember. No, no, Florida State beat uh, Virginia yesterday. Uh, I believe Tennessee did, I can, let me look here real quick just to make sure I get it right. Um, so they, Tennessee. I'm trying to think. Who, 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 I can't remember who. Well, there's so many games going on. It's sometimes it's just kind of hard to remember. <laughs> I remember I the Virginia that. game because they got smoked. Uh, yeah, Kentucky, I feel bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Kentucky beat. Oh, Tennessee beat Mississippi State. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of completely 83, different. 76. Now Florida beat LSU. That's right. 76, 73. So I feel bad for Virginia because this is kind of a replay of the last few years where they kind of have a meltdown after having built up a nice season. Uh, hopefully it won't kind of end out that way. And from what I've read, it doesn't look like Virginia is going to lose their number one seed, but uh, that's a harsh loss. And it brings up, you know, not necessarily because of that game, but uh, when you look at the Gonzaga loss, is it is it bad to have it set up so that some of these teams are playing the same opponent three times in one year, knowing how difficult it is to beat someone three times? Um, you know, I don't think it is. As we'll get into it later, you, you're, you're kind of hitting right on the head that um, Virginia probably is going to retain a number one seed, even though they played uh, Florida State now for the uh, third time. Um, and if you look at St. Mary's, St. Mary's has always played, played tough against Gonzaga, you know, that's, that's always my trouble with Gonzaga is who do they really play over the course of the season. So St. Mary's did a great job in, in, in shutting down Gonzaga in, in their tournament game, which was very impressive. I caught, uh, I think, bits of the second half of that one. And they, they put it on Gonzaga. So, you know, I, I think playing three times, because you have your conference championship, which Virginia did win. They won the conference championship. And now you have your tournament championship. So it brings a whole – this is a way to get teams – that maybe not have gotten a chance to get in to get in, like UMBC last year, uh, so on and so forth. So, you know, you win your champion because UMBC is actually playing Vermont right now. I think Vermont was up by five the last time I looked. Um, but this is a way to get uh, the field. This is why the, the field is stretched out to more teams now. So you get more exposure. Like, well, you got to realize college basketball, the season doesn't count as much anymore, as much as the actual March Madness tournament. So that's why you have the season, you have the tournament. It's all about big money. I'm a little confused. So why is there a conference championship and then a tournament championship? It's just how the tournament champion gets the automatic bid in the NCAA. The conference champion, like let's say uh, Vermont won the conference championship for whichever conference that is. They have Vermont, UMBC, Maine, um, all those schools up there. Um, if they won the conference championship, they might not get into the tournament. If they win their, I mean, if they win their regular season championship, they might not get in the tournament. They win their conference championship. The conference championship gets an automatic bid. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that at all. I don't. I think it should be your well, conference championship, and that gets you your automatic bid. That just seems kind of silly to me. 
Well, the Ivy League was like that. I, I'm not sure if they're still like that, but they were like that up to a couple of years ago because they used to come down to a lot of times Harvard and, and Yale in the last game of the year. Uh, whoever won that game was going to the tournament. So the Ivy League used to be like that. And there's a lot of court, a team or a lot of there's a lot of history that goes into that game alone. But uh, I, I understand your point. I know it's a lot of basketball. We push March Madness now into April for the championship games. Um, it's just a way to get more money rev- and, and revenue generated that the players never see or supposedly never see, as we're finding out in LSU right now and around uh, a couple other places in the country. I guess I'm just confused on uh, to what the purpose of having a conference championship is. If you win that, you win your conference, and then let's say you get knocked out early in the championship or tournament, uh, uh, whatever you call it, the other tournament. Uh, so, I mean, I, uh, why would it be? Why does it make sense to have someone who won their conference not go if that potentially could happen, and yet someone who won the you know the the tourney championship does go? I mean, do you see what, that there's a disconnect there because you're basically saying, don't worry about doing well in the season. Don't even worry about doing that well in the conference championship. If you save and sit guys all down and have everybody just ready in a game plan that you haven't shown all year just to win that tournament championship so you get to go to the NCAA tournament, I realize that no one will actually do it that way, but it just seems like it invites impropriety in terms of how the seeding is commenced. And I also don't know, and maybe you do, how they determine the seeds in the tournament, I don't think that has anything to do with if you won your tournament championship. It still is determined mostly on your regular season record, as we see with, like, uh, you know, the volunteers staying at the number one seed, assuming they get that. Or uh, if Duke, you know, after beating UNC, if Duke beats Florida State today, got to assume that they're going to jump up to a number one and maybe knock out, I don't know, Gonzaga? I mean, I, it's a little... It's confusing to look at, and and they don't seem to have a lot of rules governing how they place whom where they place them. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense, and we're going to cover that when we get down to the projected last week's projected number one seeds and this week's projected number one seeds. And I'll show you how they changed a lot of this conference championship. Like last week, the Duke NC game. Uh, that we saw last Saturday, not last night, last Saturday in the final regular season game of the ACC for those two. All that game came down to was whoever won was going to be the number two seed, whoever lost was going to be the number three seed in their conference tournament. And Duke ended up beating them last night. And they're going to go on to play Florida State today. So this is meant for a lot of the smaller schools that may never get a shot at getting in the tournament that aren't going to be seen um, like uh, Gonzaga is a perfect example. I mean, a couple of years ago, no one knew who Gonzaga was until they kept showing up in the tournament and they won some games. Right, but they didn't. Did they make the tournament because they won a, a tournament championship, or did they make the? Did they make it because they got in by the selection committee? I they, well, I think they got in by the automatic bid for the first the first time they were in. I think they got in because they won their tournament. Okay, um, and then. Uh, I do want to send out a heartfelt uh, condolences to the CU Buffaloes. They made a wonderful run in their tournament. Uh, they were only basically one game away from having a shot at getting that automatic bid. It's not that I'm saying that they would have beat Oregon, but uh would have been at least neat to see CU have a chance to sneak in for our hometown boys. So I do feel bad about them losing last night, uh, but we'll you know regroup and hopefully they'll be better next year and, and make the tournament as an invitee and not as a uh, as a as a tournament championship winner. So, um, 
did we know which sport we want to cover first? I mean, I, I, there's a lot of stuff going on and I'm sure we're going to run out of time at some point here. Um, I, I, I guess we should probably should jump into the NFL because just kind of a crazy week in, in terms of the things that have happened over just the last week. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's happened period in the NFL uh, off season. This has been a very big mover and shaker type of season. We've seen Antonio Brown get traded. We finally saw Le'Veon Bell sign. We saw the Broncos make big moves in the secondary. We saw the Jags hopefully getting their quarterback of the future. Uh, we haven't seen much draft trading yet, but what we have seen is because of these trades and because of these free agent signings, of which there were sure were a lot of free agent uh, quality free agents out there that there haven't been in a while, and that's really shaking up the draft because. You know, you look at a team like, let's say, the Broncos, well, now they have zero reason to take a cornerback in the first round, which is a big need for them, and it opens up avenues with them having faith in Flacco. It's like, well, now you're down to, like, offensive line or middle linebacker. Or you look at uh, you look at Miami, they traded Tannehill over to the Titans, so now they're looking definitely quarterback, uh, I would think, in, in, in the draft, if not, you know, uh, I, I think they also acquired someone, but... You know, it, it's amazing how much it's going to render all of those draft, uh, uh, mock drafts that were done by, uh, you know, Mel Kiper and uh, is it Todd McShay that does those? I think it's Todd McShay that does the yeah. other ones. Todd McShay. And I mean, I mean they're drastically going to have to be altered. I mean, Cecil Whammy's is going to have to be drastically altered after seeing what happened uh, in free agency so far. Do you think? What, what does it say to you about Tannehill getting traded to the Titans? I mean, I, I, people have got to be getting a little impatient with Mark Mariota, and I don't know how much of a contract he has left. You know, um, I, I think it's an insurance piece uh, just for uh, the Titans. Uh, Tannehill is a very capable backup in this league. I don't think he ever was a starter. He had decent numbers at A&M. Um, I would have never really wanted him as my starting QB. I think if he can come in and back up Mariota, now obviously Mariota's taken better steps than Jameis Winston, same draft class, but uh, he hasn't taken that final step of really winning the playoff, getting him deep into the playoffs. And the Titans were that team last year he couldn't figure out. They beat the Eagles, they beat the Patriots, then they'll lose to some nobody. And it's just one of those things where they're up and down so much. Maybe Tannehill can come in there and bring a little competition to quarterback and light a fire under Mariota's ass. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can always hope for that because you, you need to do something. Mariota has a lot of talent. I don't think he has as much talent as most of those guys that were drafted last year. I think it was, it was a thinner year, and it makes some guys in thin years look great. Like some of the quarterbacks that are available in this upcoming draft, I'm not sure that they're that good but they keep getting bumped up higher and higher because of the fact that quarterback is such a position of need like Kyle Murray or Kyler Murray, you know, he is short and he's kind of a runner first. And it's like, there's not a whole lot to, to show that he's a lock to be lucky in the NFL, but he's jumped all the way up to possibly number one now. And you've got a team at number one in the Arizona Cardinals that are considering taking a quarterback at number one, the year after they took a quarterback at like, what was it last year? Number five. Or number seven. No, here, here's here's the problem with the Cardinals right now. Their GM, um, well, he done messed up last year. One, you brought in the coach, you fired him after one season, so you didn't give him a chance, and you traded up to the tenth pick of the draft to get Rosen. 
Now you're bringing Cliff Kingsbury, who got fired by Texas Tech and had an overall losing record of, I believe, off the top of my head, of about 40 and 61, who was going to get hired as the offensive coordinator at USC. Now you hire him as your, your head coach in Phoenix with the Arizona Cardinals, and Cliff Kingsbury, perfect quarterback, is Kyler Murray. So now the GM has to go to the owners and say, well, we really messed up last year. And I think the GMs uh, um, is on a really tight spot right now of getting fired if, if they bring in Kyler Murray and they win this year because they wasted a whole year and they gave up some talent and some draft picks to go get Rosen. I just don't understand ever firing a coach after one season. That's you, you don't even give a guy a chance to really form his team. And it makes you think about something that Colin Cowherd used to say um, back when he had the show on ESPN. I don't know if he, I mean, I know he went to Fox sports one, but I don't actually know if there's a show or not, but he uh, used to talk about how if you make the wrong choice at quarterback in the draft, you have basically tied your, coaching career with that team to that quarterback and while I don't think it's fair to have passed judgment on the quarterback after just one season it shows how true that is they spent a huge capital on getting the quarterback he did not play well uh they, they got Rosen right Josh Rosen's their quarterback or was yeah it, yeah he still okay. he still is I'll tell you the scenario that I think plays out in this draft a little bit in a little bit well, go ahead. In terms of the, Car- the Cardinals, what do you think they're going to do? Well, let, well, the Cardinals are going to take Kyler Murray because that's Klingsbury's guy. Um, they brought Klingsbury in there, no, I think, knowing that and, and saying that we, we really kind of made a mistake on our coach and picking that quarterback. We have to correct it. And they saw what Patrick Mahomes did. I think knowing L.A. and knowing that he brought in Joe Flacco and he got rid of the quarterback he traded up for and Locke is, is away – He's going to take Drew Locke from Missouri at the 10th pick. I firmly believe that. Now they, they shirt up the secondary. If Drew Locke is there at 10, they'll take Drew Locke. Now, what I'm going to say is Miami getting rid of Tannehill or sending Tannehill off, they're going to be looking at Rosen really hard right now to try to bring him in in South Florida because Rosen will fit the system in South Florida with Miami very well. It just seems like it would be a better fit for the Broncos to do that as opposed to taking a quarterback that there are a lot of questions about. You could get, you could probably get Rosen for a third this year and a fourth next year. And, I mean, unless Miami offers something that blows it out of the water, good situation for him and for the Broncos. Sit him behind Flacco. You, gotta, you have another year worth of time that you have to fix that offensive line. So, you know, you're going to need to have a veteran in there for a while, even though I don't think much of Flacco – I think that if you keep him stuck to quick, short passes a la Tom Brady last year, he has enough accuracy to be successful. The Broncos have all of the skill position talent they need. They've got two good running yeah. backs, and they've got three good receivers. They don't have anything to worry about there. And I'm super excited, um, and I'm, I'm sorry to jump over to the Broncos, but since you brought them up, I mean, them signing Callahan yesterday is mm-hmm. is that's earth-shattering. And I, I know – Probably, a lot of people probably don't know who he is. Uh, cornerbacks don't get a whole lot of sexy press, you know, in 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 NFL circles and media because unless they're making a pick for a six, uh, it, it's kind of a boring position because you do your job well, nothing happens, right? If you're a great cornerback, what happens is the ball is never thrown over there. And 
it's possible the Broncos have gotten themselves their new Tlaib. And if that's the case, the Broncos have two talented, young, but talented uh, uh, safeties. And obviously they're hoping that, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Chris Harris comes back from his injury with no problem. And if that happens and he Mm -hmm. can go back to being a slot corner, they've now signed a shutdown corner and a second line corner uh, to do the, to cover the outside. I love this because now what you can do is you can run a conservative offense, not uh, bottled up like they were the last two years. That's not what I'm wanting. I mean, conservative, I mean, high percentage success plays, which are running behind your best um, lineman, which, you know, that's kind of debatable how many they have except for the right tackle, but uh, you know, run behind your good lineman, do short crossing screen and bubble routes and do passes to the running backs in the flats. Uh, and screens do high percentage play. And because now you're going to have a secondary that should be able to match up with everyone in that division, which is saying something in that division. Now, I mean, you've got the Antonio Brown Raiders, you've got the, uh, you've got the the chargers with uh, Keenan Allen and with Mike Williams and, or Tyrell Williams. And um, they got somebody else. I'm not thinking of obviously in Kansas city, you've got Tyreek Hill and you got Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey and, all those things, you know, it shows me that you can you now have your you know, secondary that could become a new kind of no-fly zone. We'll see if they get to that level that they're not there yet, but they've got a potential for that. And now you can unleash Chubb and Von Miller on a nonstop blitz to the quarterback and have your DTs in a 4-3 uh, just clog up the middle and just try to make the middle hard to run through and let everything else take care of itself. Question that still remains. You don't have someone to cover tight ends over the middle unless you're doing it with a cornerback, which is which is not always a good situation. So to me, Broncos should be looking at middle linebacker, inside linebacker in the draft and conceivably looking to trade back to pick up an inside linebacker a little later in the first round, pick up a second or third round pick and use that on uh, an offensive lineman or even a defensive lineman if they end up cutting like Wolf or someone else, because this is a very deep defensive line draft. Am I right? Uh, yeah, it is. And I want to bring up something real quick, because uh, you mentioned the Chiefs. Uh, I don't think you saw the latest news from about an hour ago. Tyreek Hill is now under an investigation for uh, not domestic abuse, but it looks like uh, almost child abuse, his girlfriend or fiance. I don't know the whole story. I caught it out of the corner of my eye as I was loaded my dishwasher. But he's under some sort of investigation. The police were called to his house right now, um, or in the past two days. Uh, some sort of uh, something went on. His girlfriend or fiance saying it was other people, but we're not sure of the whole situation right now. And obviously, they got rid of Kareem Hunt, who got the eight-game suspension, who a lot of people think cost the Chiefs the Super Bowl last year. So it'll be interesting to see what with the Chiefs. And another thing with the Chiefs now, because we're talking defensive linemen here, um, a little bit, uh, and the AFC West. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, the mainstay of the Chiefs' defense, which wasn't a great defense, but their, their best part of their defense was their two defensive ends that could rush the quarterback. They sent both those guys out of town, remember? Right. So no, you know, I, it's going to be an interesting year for the Chiefs. The Tyreek Hill thing, I, I read about that last night when it came out. I don't think there's a whole lot for them to be concerned about right now, only because I think right. he's only part of the investigation because it was at his house. And I that, don't think that right. he is accused of any wrongdoing. And it sounded like it was um, not his kid and not, I don't think it was even his fiance's kid. I think it was somebody else's kid that was in the house that 
that she, you know, wailed on or what I don't have. I mean, they didn't really, they weren't really that, that descriptive of what happened yet. So yeah, it was uh, very bad. While, while Kareem Hunt is definitely out for those eight games for his, you know, his exploits, um, the, the Kyrie Hill thing, I don't think is going to be a major issue. Now, since we're talking Kareem Hunt, we've got to spend a moment on the Browns because boy, have they, do they look like a completely different team than three years ago? And I mean, this is a team that was 0-16 and now you've got to consider them favorites for that division, if not even a favorite for the AFC championship to meet up against the Patriots. I mean, I, I don't know if the Patriots will win, but I just, you know, you just kind of assume it. You might as well, you might as well put in a futures bet right now for the Patriots to be in the AFC championship because they've done it for, yeah. I don't know how many longer, more, more times in a row now than LeBron's going to have gone to the playoffs, which is pretty shocking. So um, right now, the chief, a, I mean, the, uh, the Browns are, are in Vegas are the third best team in the AFC. I think they're at seven to one. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I, I it might be early to be giving all this, especially to a team that's got a second year quarterback. And sometimes second year quarterbacks have a slump. Sometimes they jump forward. You know, Carson Wentz and and uh, yep. Jared Goff in the third year. So I mean, you never know what's going to happen. But boy, are they putting some talent around that team. I mean, they pick up Hunt who's now going to be gone for eight games, but you know what? He'll be back for the last eight games and that'll be an, an injection. And, of, and that's the playoff uh, push. Right. That'll give you that. That'll give you that, that fresh running back, which is always good. Ask the saints how that worked out with uh, Mark, uh, with uh, Ingram. So they have Chubb who's, you know, looks like he could be a superstar in terms, excuse me, of running back royalty. Uh, they bring in Odell Beckham jr. Now he's paired with his old teammate, uh, Jarvis Landry. So, Yep. I think you got a great combination there in receivers. We already know they've got a fantastic tight end. I mean, you saw that in fantasy last year. That uh, Najoku guy has got talent all over him. The line is strong, uh, not as strong as it needs to be, but it's still pretty strong. Uh, you know, and they and they made a lot of signings on defense. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, is it just is it just that Depot Death had taken over and this is the new look Browns, or uh, is it just that finally chips fell into place and they were able to spend the money they've been hoarding for years? You know, I, I think it's um, the, the Browns uh, GM, Ken Dorsey. Is it Ken Dorsey? I, off the top of my head, I, I, I think it's Ken Dorsey. Um, I think they're finally putting the pieces in the place. I think it, it all has to come down to uh, them being comfortable with Baker Mayfield and his confidence and cockiness. And, and, and especially if you look at them going after OBJ, OBJ and Baker, I think, are going to make a tandem like you're not like like Big Ben and Antonio Brown. I mean, OBJ's uh, he's got his 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 cockiness and his diva-like attitude. Baker's got his cockiness, and those two, if they start hooking up, uh, they could go off every game. They could, I guess. Sorry, my microphone was moved. I I, I guess my only fear is is OBJ become kind of brittle. Is he going to make it a lot of games? You know, is, is he? Can he hang on and be? Can he get back to who he was? Because he just has never performed that way, really, since he went out with the. Uh, you know, since since they all kind of cut, cramp, crumbled around him, he's had two pretty subpar years. Even though only one year did he play the whole year. You know. Well, I look at it this way: the the, the playing surface in Cleveland is grass, and it's not uh, field turf like it is at at uh, the Meadowlands. Um. 
So I think that will help him. I, 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 I don't like some of the field turf out there. I know the Patriots put a new field turf, I think, two years ago. And after the preseason, they tore it up and put the old stuff in, or, or, new, or a different type in, because they said it was too bouncy. Um, I, I think OBJ comes back down to where he was. Uh, I, Eli Manning really wasn't a good quarterback for OBJ. Uh, Eli is very calm, cool, consistent. Um, you never really see him like Peyton would get in your face and tell you which route to run and this and that. Eli is a completely different guy, and OBJ and Eli don't complement each other. Um, Baker, the way Baker acts and the way OBJ acts, they're going to complement each other, and they're going to be on the same page a lot of times with exactly what they want to do, and it's going to be one of those things he's going to look to him first, and if he doesn't have him, you're going to have Chubb out of the backfield, Johnson out of the backfield. You're going to have that tight end. You're going to have Landry on the other side. He's got weapons all around if you're going to double OBJ. You know, that brings up a good question. I need to go check out the the depth chart for the Browns. as I, I, I want to make sure that they still have Duke Johnson. They didn't, they didn't trade him or he didn't release him, right? Because, I mean, with, with picking up Hunt. I, I believe they didn't. I don't think they did. Because I, 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 I think there was talk of maybe Duke Johnson gone to the Eagles. And then that kind of all faded away. I mean, I kind of uh, hope so. I, I can look that up real quick. Duke Johnson, yeah, it looks like he's still there. Because he is an exceptional running back out of the backfield in terms of catching passes. You could even line him up as a third or fourth receiver. And that way you could get him and Chubb on the field at the same time, which they did do a fair amount of last year. And I think it works out well. I mean, I, I can't imagine that the Browns don't win that division. I think they're a lock for a wild card, barring injuries, of course. Injuries can change the outlook for any team. Um, but, boy, I mean, ooh, I mean, and Richard Higgins, let's not, let's not shy away from that guy. I mean, that guy's a fantastic wide receiver, very young. He's still blossoming. He's still maturing. He's still getting his game together. If he can pull it together this year, boy, they could have a trio of deadly receivers that could just blow away the competition. I mean, who else do we have in that division? I mean, I'm trying to think of who their competition would be. And, well, I don't even know anybody that can Steelers. Right. And the Steelers, the Steelers are taking three players. step backwards. That might the be bangles, the worst The bungle. Yeah. And the I don't think their defense is that good. The Ravens lost Suggs and they, I, I, they lost Mosley. So I don't know that the Ravens are going to be that intimidating either. So, boy, it just seems like a a wide open slot, don't they? I just woo, well, I, I'll ugly. tell you what. Let's not forget about this kid that came on the scene last year, and Antonio Callaway too, a wide receiver. Right. I mean that that makes he for had a great number really of big games and catches. Yeah. I think actually it was his injury that kind of opened the door for Higgins. Um, I don't think that I don't know if Callaway was a. I don't know if either one of them were rookies last year. I think Higgins might have been a rookie last year, but uh, dude, that's just a good drafting. We talked a lot over the last three or four years about how bad their drafting has been and say what people may want to say about how they felt at that first season after Dee Podesta took over as president. But, boy, it sure looks like they knew what they were doing, man. That team is deep with a lot of very young talent that isn't costing them a lot of money and should give them a good four- or five-year reign at the top of that division, don't you think? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I, I've got Antonio Callaway's stats up here. He was last year a, a fourth-round pick to Cleveland. He ended up after his wow. injuries, or with, with his injuries, with 43. Four, this is really I like this because he didn't play. He didn't play that much. 43 receptions, 586 yards, five touchdowns, with an average of 13.6 yards a catch. 
Chris Thompson. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I, I, I knew uh, Higgins better because of the fact that he, one, he's Colorado State, but two, because he, right. uh, I got him on my uh, dynasty team in fantasy football. Yep. And he was yep. the uh, round five pick. So fourth and fifth round, they picked up a couple of nice receivers who have really shown something. And, you know, maybe it's a young team and offering lots of competition, or maybe it's just really good coaching. Or, you know, you never really know what kind of drives it because, you know, we talked about the lifestyle thing with football. Like, you have to make football your life. It can't just be the sport or your job. It's a 24-hour, you know, you, you got like maybe a two-week vacation in the winter where you can stop training super hard because otherwise these other guys are going to be training super hard all off season and they're going to be ready and you're not going to be ready and you never catch up. You can, you know what we talked about? Um, oh, I, I think it was George Frazier, but maybe it might be the wrong person, but saying that, you know, your championship is uh, shown in the ring, but it's won in the gym, right? You know, as much yep. as some players may think that practice doesn't matter because they're so skilled and they're so amazing does matter because practice isn't just about making yourself a better player. It's about making your team more cohesive. It's about making sure that you know what your teammates are doing. You know, the Warriors are amazing because they know where each other are going to be all the time and they can always, without a second thought, kick the ball over to another position because the guy will always be in his spot. And that's the key of practice. It's not about making yourself better. That's training. To make yourself better, you train. But when it comes to practice, it's to make the synergy of the team perfect. And in a sport like basketball or football and probably hockey, you've really got to have that synergy locked in because the other teams will. And you see, we see it in the playoffs over and over. Why have there been only a few different uh, entrants from the AFC in the Super Bowl in the last 12 years? I think there's like four quarterbacks that have been there. Why? Because those teams know what they're doing. Those teams have been designed yeah. right. They're coached right. They're trained right. They practice correct. So, uh, anyway, a, a side note for anybody out there who, uh, if you're listening to the show, I assume you like sports. So, if you like uh, video games, EA Sports uh, is having a huge sale right now on PlayStation. So, if you like FIFA Soccer, which FIFA's amazing game, uh, they've also got, of course, Madden. If you haven't gotten that, the new NHL, which uh, Town Mike has praised quite a bit for being a great game. They're on sale for a massive discount. And I realize if you're a gamer, you may have some very negative feelings about EA and I can totally understand that, but these sports games tend to be above average. And I would recommend uh, grabbing it. Now, if you want one of them, you can get them on the cheap and hopefully you didn't pay 60 bucks for them. Downside being of course, that uh, the, basketball game that they have is atrocious so that's the one sport you you don't want to bother with that's still an 2k is still the nba game uh i haven't bought one of those in a couple of years because it's really frustrating to me when a team or when a company brings out a game for sports sometimes there aren't massive improvements from year to year you're basically paying 60 dollars for a roster update and a minor visual upgrade and what really annoys me about the nfl or nba 2k sports is that they don't reduce the cost of last year's game. They only do the two-year-ago game. So if you want to try and buy the 2018 version of the game, which is now a year and like four months old, it's still full price, 60 bucks. Just like the brand new game, 60 bucks. Bad marketing. Yeah, bad bad marketing. (laughs) 
just weird. I just why I don't know. I, I just don't know why you would do that. But anyway, I there's that'd be like the one billion thing about business that people do that I don't understand. So going back to football and the free agency. Okay, so this was my prediction, and I think it was kind of all of our predictions because the, the, the signs have been everywhere about Le'Veon Bell going to the Jets, and he did finally go to the yep. Jets. So did he win in his whole thing? Because I don't know that he did. He's not making – He's getting $5 million less uh, guaranteed money, and I would say he lost because he's gone to a team that finished 4-12 and 12, instead of – being on a team that was contending for playoffs and he's taking a pay cut and he's still the second highest paid running back after Todd Gurley. He wanted to reset the market. The market told him no, because you have two knee injuries in the NFL and we don't want to pay you that much. So the NFL kind of shot back at him for doing what he did. Now does do Antonio Brown and, and uh, Le'Veon Bell, do they have a a Super Bowl or did that, did the Steelers win their last Super Bowl before those guys came along? They won their last Super Bowl before those guys came along. They, they've been in the Super Bowl drought ever since they signed Antonio Brown. Uh, and, and, did they sign Antonio or they drafted him? Or they, they drafted him. I'm sorry, they drafted him. Okay. I, well, I wasn't sure, so I was, that's what I was asking. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Boy, that's – so all that talent and those guys, all that bitching and whining, and you just – They've ne- they're now on not very good teams. I mean, I know the Raiders are a better team than they were because they added him. But uh, and we'll see what they do in the draft. They could if they knock it out of the park in the draft. You know, Oakland could take a big step forward. But boy, I mean, these guys are at the you know, I'm, uh, and Le'Veon Bill has had enough mileage on him that he can't assume he's got more than three good years. I mean, maybe he's a marvel like Adrian Peterson or uh, you know, Danian Tomlinson going going extra few years. You know, maybe yep. get a full twelve-year career or something, but you, you can't count on that. And it, so you didn't you didn't sign your franchise tag thing, which I have to be honest, I am blown away by franchise tag people being frustrated. Yeah, I can see you be like, oh, I'd rather have a long-term deal. Oh, I'd like to have everything set up for the next five years. Fine, but you know what? Just sign your franchise tag tender and go play. Because if you do get hurt. Right, so you get—that's the big concern, right? That they get hurt and no one else yeah. will sign them, and their career is over. You are going to be making top five money for your position. I, I think it's the top five average or top three average of for that position is what you get paid. It's always a huge amount of money. You know, if it's a fourteen million dollar one year deal, you're just stupid if you don't sign that. It's all guaranteed money. So it's like sign that contract, the fourteen million. Put the $6 million, $7 million, whatever it is in cash in the bank. You know, I mean, if you can't live off $6 million the rest of your life, you're probably not doing things right. And go play. And if you do get hurt and your career ends, that's horrible. But it's not that common that careers end in one year. I mean, you don't get Alex Smith or Joe Theismann, you know, leg breaks all the time. That's a pretty rare thing, especially for a running back. So I just... You know, and like now he's—I'm sure he got. I think he got what? 30, you see, thirty-five million dollars guaranteed out of that deal, something like that. Later uh, on, with 30, 30, 35, somewhere right in there, thirty-three. Yeah, I don't. Ugh. Um, well, the big thing he said on, well, uh, I, I, on, on one of the tweets is he didn't want to put the four hundred carries on his body uh, last year, which it's like 
apples to oranges because you just took less money for a four-year contract. You didn't get the five-year contract you wanted. So it, right. it's, it's one of those things where Antonio Brown won huge for being a diva. Le'Veon Bell for being a diva lost out big because he didn't get anywhere near what he wanted. JP, if you have the chance, if you could maybe throw a tweet out, looks like Blog Talk has sent out a message on the studio here. Uh, they are working on a delay for live show processing. They're trying to fix it. I guess they've got some kind of a glitch going on. So I don't know if – I mean, the show is being recorded. I don't know if we're live right now. Uh, they may not – people may not actually be hearing us talking. So uh, they they should be able to once the, once the live show processes. But, you know, we, we had a little bit of a late start today. And just in case people are like, oh, I guess they're just not on. Uh, you know, we are on, but maybe they just don't know it. So I uh, just wanted to point that out real quick. So yeah, that was uh, interesting. just says, at this time, we're working on a delay for live show processing. Please stay tuned as we work to have these become available. So whether or not ours is delayed, I, I don't know. It's it's not specific. So It sounds uh, like you're going to it's gonna have trouble processing when we're done. Actually, yeah, like it did the other two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago, and the show didn't post until about ten hours after the show was recorded. Yeah, um, that's what it sounds. Like. Well, I, I, I just, I, I just personally, I think this is just goes as a huge mistake by Le'Veon Bell. I think he just erred in a bad way, and I don't think against the guy. I understand he felt disrespected, and I also wonder if Antonio Brown's whole thing, maybe he just maybe he felt disrespected. I, I, you know, maybe that was, I mean, I know he, he felt disrespected, but I wonder if he felt disrespected by the way they treated bell, you know, like maybe Antonio Brown was like, well, that's how you're going to treat that important piece to the offense. How are you going to treat me and start his descent downward? You know, I know it had something to do with the GM. So just, it's just amazing what happened to, happened to the Steelers. In one year, boy, whoo! They're gonna might as well Ben, Big Ben, might as well retire, man. I mean, he's got Juju Schuster and nothing else, but you know, uh, I, I know they got Peterson or uh, not Peterson, uh, uh, James. Um, who was James the running Connor. back? What is it? Oh, Connor. That's James right. Connor. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, just just a disaster out there. Seeing a big changing of the guard. Going to be an interesting football season and. Uh, I think we're all waiting for Tom Brady to retire. Not, I got nothing against Tom Brady because the guy is squeaky clean and he does it all by hard work. So it's all good by me. I just can't wait for him to retire so that the Patriots aren't the nonstop threat every single year. And we can get a little bit of spice uh, into those playoffs instead of having the same team over and over and over and over. So uh, your boy, Nick Foles signed with the Jaguars. How do you think he's going to do? Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, I think he'll do fine. They're going to have to, they're going to really have to call the right plays. They're going to have to look at what the Eagles did with, when they changed the playbook for Wentz and the Foles and really go back to his game film because in Philadelphia, Foles did great with Doug Peterson. And when Doug, he did great under what the, the plays that they called for him. Now, if you look at Jeff Fisher, we all know he's a quarterback killer, he was, Nick Foles wanted to retire. So I think if you, if you, if you look at the, the variation of plays that Nick Foles run well, uh, if, if, if Jacksonville can get to the basics of those plays with a team that they have, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I, 
I mean, they don't have anything updated on uh, on ESPN, of course. They, I got to find a better site here for looking at depth chart, but I they I don't like their running. I don't and their their uh, wide receivers. I just boy, I mean, they got some good running backs, but well, I think they lost Hyde, right? Hyde well, went somewhere else. So Hyde went to the Chiefs. No, oh, Hyde went to the Chiefs. Ooh, I don't like that fit at all. Um, and then I, I don't know. I don't know where Yeldon is. Has Yeldon been signed by anybody? I'm pretty sure they that let him one go. I have not heard if he's been signed or not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Jags let him go. So, I yeah. Well, it still it still shows him as a Jag on here. It's just so it's it's so hard to tell if these if these things are up to date or not. You know, if they got some. Right. I have not heard his name on the free agent market. Yeah, I mean, after what happened with Fournette, we. Maybe they're thinking, yeah, we'll make sure we have somebody just in case he goes down again. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't see, I don't see him anywhere. So I think he's probably still, he's probably still a Jaguar. So, ah, just not. Oh, they just added Connolly. I didn't see that. Okay, so they have. Is this stupid thing going to play a video? Morning. I don't want it to. Of course it is. Good afternoon, whatever it is. Hate those things that make you play a video. Well, that's an interesting fit. I, I, I'm i not really that high on Foles, and I, I just feel like he is more of a – it was just a great situation in Philadelphia for him, and I think he just felt super comfortable. And I do think that Peterson and or the offensive coordinator are, are, are next-level talents in terms of figuring out how to design – their team around their player it also actually has made me wonder if Wentz is as good as I thought he was and I still think that he's I still think he's got plenty he was plenty great to to still be a great quarterback but I do wonder a little bit if it's more the genius of the system than the play of the quarterback because of the fact that Foles went in there and did well and then you start saw the team start over again this year and Foles was a disaster early on he was doing well at the end because I think they had figured out how to get the team running in the right direction and get all the, the cogs working. Jaguars have been no. just a disaster, man. I mean, do you really – I mean, I and I know they went to the AFC Championship a couple of years ago on that crazy run that they got on with Bortles. But overall, doesn't it seem like that's a team of, like, disunity and dysfunction? It does, and I think uh, Tom Coughlin still is one of their uh, consultants. I think with Nick Foles coming in, being a more – established quarterback than Bortles, you're going to see Coughlin take on maybe more of a leadership role because of Nick, because Nick's there. And uh, Coughlin does know Nick Foles because Coughlin did uh, coach the, the Giants when Foles was, got drafted by the Eagles. So I think you're going to see Coughlin take a more hands-on consulting role maybe with the team and trying to bring them back into a little more order-like regimen. I wonder how much it pains Coughlin to look at the Giants these days because of what they put, what he kind of put together there. And it just seems like they mismanaged things because, boy, you've got the best running back maybe in football now on your team. And you had a pretty brilliant receiving core that just kept going down. And you got a quarterback that you're, that you're clinging to who's just, he's just past his prime. It seems like the team's getting older and not getting better. And Coughlin then moves over to the Jaguars. And I think they did a good infusion of youth, and it looked like they were on the right path. 
but it just seems like over the last like three years, there seems to be constant locker room issues and like executives having problems with players and players having troubles with executives. It almost feels like it's a Pittsburgh uh, Steelers situation, but in the early stages and that it could right. boil over. Here's here's the way I look at it because you you hit it right on the head here. You got Jalen Ramsey running his mouth about you know this quarterback sucks, this quarterback sucks, this quarterback this reason running his mouth all the time. You've got Bortles throwing the stinker every other week almost sometimes where he he'll look like an All Pro quarterback and then the next week he'll look like he shouldn't even be a backup in the league. And yep. uh, you you've got a lot of division because they're not playing consistently. When you play consistent football. It has a lot to be said about your confidence and the way about you go practicing and go into a game. When you're playing very inconsistent, you kind of never know what you're going to get when you get on the field. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, that's the killer, right? No consistency. There's nothing that you can count on. And I think that really, really hurts um, with these teams. I think it just it, it, it separates the teams that get better from the teams that just kind of flounder. And the Jags are definitely one of those squads, man. They just seem like they keep floundering. Uh, not necessarily floundering in like wallowing, which I think would have been great if they had made the Super Bowl two years ago and somehow beaten the Patriots simply because they caught lightning in a bottle. And you know mm-hmm. what? Sometimes that works. Heck, you look at the San Francisco Giants in baseball, that almost all three of their World Series victories are catching lightning in a bottle. All three times they traded for a scrub who suddenly played amazing baseball as a hitter, and every year they had one of their pitchers have just an unbelievable performance. You know, they had Matt Cain with a zero ERA time. They had Bumgarner with the pitching in like 12 games in the playoffs thing. You know, it, you know if you catch lightning in a bottle, you almost need to win because – your team may not realize how special what happened was with everything going in the right direction. And it takes so long to get everybody back on board that by the time you do it, you've, the team isn't the same team anymore. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but like with the Broncos winning the world series in, in Super Bowl 50 with that outrageous defense and that defense was very good for another couple of years, but it wasn't the same way it was down the stretch in that year. And that was because they had lightning in a bottle. They played perfect defense for about seven straight games. And that took them to a, a Super Bowl title. And the Jaguars kind of had their offense working that way. And then their cornerbacks, where they caught lightning in the bottle on both ends. And that's why they made it to where they did. Of course, anytime you run into the Steel or the uh, Patriot, uh, um, you know, empire, you know, that's, that's where things get dicey. And if you can't get pressure on the quarterback, then everything crumbles anyway. But... Well, I'll give, you, anyway. I'll give you the perfect example, Mark. Um, if you want to talk about consistency, look at the New England Patriots and how many people they interchange every single year, and they still keep going to the Super Bowl. That's, that's the measure of consistency. That is probably the most impressive part about the whole thing. I agree. Just every year. All, I mean, and yeah, I mean, Gronk finally became a, a mainstay, and obviously Tom Brady's been a mainstay from the start. But – you think about how many impressive linemen, impressive cornerbacks, impressive running backs, impressive wide receivers, uh, offensive linemen, everyone, everyone. And they jettison these people two years before their contracts are going to be up. They know they're going to be expensive. They're like, nope, we're only spending on the quarterback, and he always will renegotiate his contract into bonus money so we can save. You know, they, they just don't spend big money. And they also seem like – I was amazed, to be honest with you, that they didn't pick up Kareem Hunt. 
because that seemed like the kind of thing that they do. They don't seem to care about someone's off-field issues for the most part because they bring them in for that one year, and they basically say to them, or you know, basically they usually get these guys on a one-year deal or a trade, so they're not paying very much for them, and they basically turn to them and say, you got a good chance of winning a Super Bowl title if you do what we tell you to. If not, we'll just cut you. We don't care. We don't care who you are. We'll cut you. I mean, if he wasn't playing well, they would cut Tom Brady. Don't don't kid yourself. They don't care. It, they're all about making a win, and they're very good at it. And I can't believe the number of players that have transferred through there. And that's why I would say with Hunt, I mean, could you imagine adding that kind of speed in the backfield for the Patriots? It'd be even scarier than they are now. But you know, I mean, I guess that's very true. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a name out there, and I'm gonna. I think this is why they didn't go after Kareem Hunt. Um, it's because they, they drafted Sony Michelle. I think if they didn't draft Sony Michelle um, and Sony Michelle played well last year, I, I think they would have won after Kareem Hunt. Yeah, it could be. They could be. They they may be thinking that they've got what they want there. Plus, I mean, who's the other guy they have? Uh, uh, Burkhead. James White and Young Barner. Well, I was thinking if Burkhead had a had a really nice rushing oh, yeah. season and. Uh, and then, of course, um, uh, you know, uh, James White. Boy, boy, White was a great pickup in fantasy football last year because that guy had five catches a game and had usually 55 yards. I mean, guy was in a wonderful receiver for, as a running back. So uh, could be a nice guy to target next year in your fantasy draft. Uh, I did see that Bridgewater went back to the Saints, so he apparently doesn't want to be a starter, or he hopes that, I guess, maybe that Breeze retires in the next couple of years, you think? Well, the Saints off, the, the, the Dolphins um, contract wasn't worth enough money, so he decided to go back and sit behind Drew, which is a good move for, move for Teddy after that really horrific knee injury. Uh, so we, he can learn a little bit more from Drew about his footwork um, and, and, you know, learning to just relearning the game a little bit because that horrific knee injury, that's going to take a toll psychologically on you. So I, I think uh, the best for him, if, if Miami would have gave him a boatload of money, he would have went. But I think being the backup and just making sure you're healthy and ready to go at the next call-up is the best thing he could have done for himself. Now, I just saw this, and I apologize if I'm late to the party, so it looks like Mark Ingram is going to go to the Ravens on a three-year deal. That's an yeah. interesting pick for them. I, uh, they, they've been looking for a marquee back for a while. They shifted through. I mean, I, I thought Alex Collins is the guy they should have kept with, but they just don't seem to like him. They've got Javorius Allen, and he, he doesn't get the carries. So I guess they've decided they need to go sign themselves a marquee three-down back. And Ingram definitely is that, although – it seems like Ingram's been a better player when he misses a few games early in the season, and it also seems like he has to put it all in a chunk of games near the end of the season. Like, he seems to do, like, a three- or four-game stretch where he really piles it on, and then everything else is kind of suspect. Do you think he matters with the Ravens? I mean, is this going to give them a triple option type of system to run with Tavar? Um. You know, with with the way the Ravens play, Ingram's a great pickup for them. I think uh, what the uh, the Saints picked up, uh, who they pick up as another run, uh, Latavius Murray. Um, I think they like Latavius. I think the Saints like Latavius there because um, Mark Ingram is. I, I'm not sure the story on Mark. He might have wanted more money, 
but for the Ravens, I think it's a really good fit for them because that, that's the way they like to pound the ball. You know, it's that read option where either you're going to pound it right up the middle with Ingram now or, you know, Lamar Jackson is going to pull that ball out and take off. Oh, Lamar. I said Tavares. Uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson. I was wondering what you said Tavares. I, I, I knew what you meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, my, my mind melds too many names together. Uh, I, I wonder, I think you're right about the money. I think Ingram probably wanted starter money, and the Saints are sitting there saying, well, come on, man, our starter is Alvin Kamara. You're our wonderful backup or, or change of pace back, and I, right. I probably – that you, you can't you can't sink starter money into two running backs, and I know uh, I know that um, um, uh, I forget his name just uh, Kamara. Uh, he Kamara. I don't think he's making big money yet because I think he's only in the third year of his contract. But, yeah, this will be year number three. But even if they can get him through that fifth year, they'll probably have to sign him after the fourth year so that he doesn't get in a into a a pissing match a la Le'Veon Bell with the Steelers. So they've right. got to be thinking, oh, that money's saving for him. Plus, they have to also be thinking of life after Drew Brees. I, I don't think Drew Brees is really thinking of retiring right now. I mean, he's had back-to-back years where they had a good shot at making the Super Bowl, and I'm sure he wants to go back. But, you know, I mean, he is, he's got to be getting up there in age. I, I don't know if he's, if he's clocked 40 yet, but uh, he, he's got to be getting close. So you're going to have to save that money in New Orleans to pay for Kamara, maybe pay for the cornerback and then also pay for uh, whatever the new quarterback ends up being after Drew Brees. So Drew Brees uh, just turned 40. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, I mean, he plays fantastic obviously still. So I could see him going four more years, uh, maybe a little longer, but I think four years would be a good, a good subsect if he continues to not get hit too much. If that line deteriorates and he gets hit a lot again, you know, boy, that you start to get up there in age and those, those bruises don't go away when you get hit. So we'll see what happens. But uh, congratulations to the Ravens. Uh, they need to do something because that team uh, looks like they're kind of going the wrong direction and, and maybe getting a little uh, a little weak. Um, I do see that Suggs rejected a deal from the Ra- uh, from the Ravens to go to the Cardinals. Uh, what does it say that someone rejected a good deal from a team that's while maybe not going the right direction is a lot closer to playoff contention than the team he went to. I'll repeat that one more time. You say what, who Suggs got a well, good contract for the con- so Suggs went to the Cardinals, right? But he's right. saying that he actually got a really nice offer from the Ravens and he turned it down. I'm just saying, oh, what okay. does it kind of say about a team when a player turns down your good contract and you're closer to a, being a Super Bowl contender than the team that they go to play for. I mean, really, what are the Cardinals going to do in the next year? I, 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 I'm scared to death about my dynasty player, David Johnson, just looking at how bad that offense has performed. Right. Now, well, he, the one big thing with T-Sizzle, um, his playing time was reduced last year. Of course, he had the, I believe it was an Achilles tear two or three years ago. So he's been on a, a reduction of playing time. The Cardinals might have told him flat out going, we're going to get you on the field more often than you're playing with the Ravens. Yeah, I could see that. I, I don't think that – I mean, he can't think he can play a, a three downs in football anymore. He just he – just No, he was really never that type of player. 
No, no. He's, I mean, he's a specialist. And uh, But you know what? If you can get to the quarterback still in the right position, you know, you're worth a lot. And, I, you know, we saw that with, like, DeMarcus Ware with the Broncos in the Super Bowl 50 run. You know, they get that old guy with injuries and, and, and not quite the same pep. But, boy, give him those give him those just certain number of plays that he can just go all out after the quarterback can still definitely cause some havoc. And, uh, you know, I wish the best for, for Suggs. He's been uh, been a fantastic player for a long time. I mean, we still remember when yeah. he got drafted, right? That was back when they still had Ray Lewis and they had Ed Reed and they picked him up and it was like a great addition. And he just was a he was a solid linebacker from game one. And uh, I think we've got a, probably got a future Hall of Famer on our hands there. So, oh, I'd, I'd vote him in. He's been a quality player. A lot of length, a lot of length. So, um, before we uh, hop over into the NCAA tournament here, do you want to reread the playoff or the, excuse me, the the trivia question for the week? Sure would. Okay, the sports offensive trivia question of the week is. The last when is the last time Tennessee beat Kentucky in the SEC basketball tournament? That's the Southeastern Conference basketball tournament. So I can't even pretend that I know the answer to this because I don't know the last time they played each other, and so I certainly don't know the last it, time they Tennessee won. But I would say it's an even, it's an even I, number. I know Kentucky is a fantastic program. I don't remember hearing much about Tennessee in terms of basketball, so I'm just going to go ahead and go with zero. Well, um, the last well, – well, that's an interesting answer. Okay, so the answer to the question is um, Tennessee – the last time Tennessee beat them in the tournament was 1979, and they won 75-69 to 69 in OT. Okay. Now, you said it was even, so you mean like the year? Yeah, so 30 years, 30 years, an even, you know, even number I of got years. I I I mean, how many? You don't happen to know how many times total can Tennessee beat Kentucky, do you? Oh, total throughout throughout the years. I don't have that stat in front of me, um, but that's the last time in the SEC tournament that they won. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, like I said, I, I and they I played for the third time today. Third time this year. Okay, is it now? And I'm assuming that uh, Kentucky beat them both times this year during the season. No, they split. Kentucky won at home. Tennessee won at home. Oh, nice! Rubber matches are always fun. That kind of give you the, the, uh, not the bragging rights, but or maybe maybe the bragging rights. Uh, you know, going into the tournament and then going into the NBA next year. Uh, what time do they play? You know. Uh, that game will be on. At let's. Oops, sorry. Oh, it looks we'll like it's one see. one o'clock Mountain, so three Eastern ESPN. And then we got Duke tonight at eight thirty Eastern. That'll obviously be a yep. big game. Uh, Zion looked fantastic. Duke looks fantastic again. They seem like they're rolling through that tournament. You know, took over or took out UNC. Probably going to be a number one seed now. And boy, I, you know, Bovada had them. They were the only negative odds team to win the NCAA tournament. Two weeks ago, that's when I put my futures bets in on these teams. Two weeks ago, without Zion playing, they were the only team that was a plus on the, uh, or excuse me, a minus value on the bet. So it was, I think they were a negative 250 or something like that. So, you know, you wouldn't make a very good uh, winning if you bet on them. 
every other team was at least plus 400, and most of them were plus 1,000 or more. But yet two right. weeks before the tournament even started, Duke was, was actually so much of a favorite. They were the only negative value on the betting table. That's amazing. That was before they got Zion back. Now they got Zion. I tell you what, they're the only team I in the only you know, like good team I didn't put any money on and I still don't want to put money on them cuz I just think that they win, you're not going to get much out of it and I'm just going to have to hope against hope that they don't just do that frosh for just destruction of the entire tournament. You think there's any chance we could see Duke just roll through it without even really having a much of a challenge? Well, if Zion stays off, now remember, they only beat uh, NC last night by one, and NC did have a really good look at the basket on the final shot that rimmed down. Um, so Duke lost to NC without Zion. Well, 36 seconds, he was in, into one game, the sneaker blew out. So they lost twice in the regular season, and in the tournament they beat him by one. It was 76-75 uh, or 74-73 last night. And um, – Nike had a crew of technicians there to be by Zion's side, uh, a sneaker crew. Uh, so I think he went with a Kawhi Leonard sneaker. So what you're saying is that so, so what Nike did is they put that shoe uh, through the assembly line twice for the 12-year-old seamstresses over in China and said, hey, you triple stitch this motherfucker because we got to make sure it doesn't uh, pop on our they did something because after after that nationally televised game on ESPN, watching that thing, the whole soul rip out, they had to do something, especially when Zion showed up wearing a bunch of Adidas T-shirts and shorts on Instagram playing uh, PlayStation games or video games. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's just a freak thing, I'm sure. And I think we all know that. But you know what? Appearance is everything. It, it causes a major change in our reactionary world. And you know, we saw the stock for the company drop, uh, you know, not, not, not long-term, but take a hit uh, after that happened because of the negative publicity. So, you know, it does matter even if it's, uh, even if it's always, always going to be a little bit overblown. So um, do you want to kind of run over what we're thinking in terms of the seeding uh, for the number one and number two seeds in the tournament? Coming sure. Up? So this is how much it'll, it'll change week by be week by week. So last week, the projected number one seeds were Gonzaga, Duke, Virginia, and Tennessee. This week, the projected number one seeds are Duke, Kentucky, Virginia, and Michigan State. Now, Michigan State is jumping up there because they beat Michigan at home um, right uh, in the final regular season uh, game. After uh, That was last Saturday after uh, NC beat Duke or right before NC beat Duke. One or the other. I, I forget which, which game came on first. But uh, Michigan State did beat Michigan at home, so that's why Michigan State is jumping up into that spot because everyone thought that Michigan might get that spot because Michigan was undefeated for a long point of the season this year. Um, they're they're kind of looking at Virginia going, well, they've been the best team in the country all year. We kind of have to, and even though they lost, we have to kind of keep them. Florida State's a good team. Uh, Florida, you were in Vegas when Florida State played Duke. Uh, and they're going to play again tonight, and I think Duke beat them off the top of my head. I believe it was by eight. Um, so we're going to get another Florida State-Duke matchup tonight for the third time, and uh, we'll see how that game goes. Now that Zion's back, um, you're looking at Duke being a solid number one seed, uh, no matter what happens tonight, I think. As long as Zion doesn't get hurt tonight, Duke's a solid number one seed. Kentucky, that one might waver if Tennessee beats them today. 
Now, remember, this is a semifinal game. This is not the final game for those guys. Now, granted, the final game is going to be uh, kind of a throwaway game, but it's not because I know Auburn lost the, or Auburn beat Tennessee uh, last week or 10 days ago. Uh, Virginia's going to be a lock where they are, I think. Michigan State could still be up in the air. I'm not sure about that pick yet. Well, I mean, it'd be awesome for Michigan State to, you know, pick, make that kind of a move because they were looking at a number two seed. And, you know, uh, sure, it's, a, it's only a difference of the 16 or 15 seed uh, opponent in the opening round, but it's always going to be an easier path to hit your uh, elite eight in your conference and try and make that final four. So uh, good luck to Michigan state. Uh, I, I do like their uh, head coach. Uh, we obviously, there's a lot of things about Michigan state that have been negative <laughs> over the last year or two, but that's something positive for that school and, and for the student base, which, you know, they're not, they're not responsible for any scandals. So, um, it's still the same old coach uh, in Michigan State, right? He's, he hasn't moved on, has he? Did he retire? Izzo to the Izzo, Tom Izzo. Yeah, he's still there, right? Yeah, okay, I figure. I, I remember a lot of fun years watching uh, Michigan State, you know, going up against Indiana when they were both pretty strong schools and, and having a lot of battles that were fun to watch. So, um, oh, oh, definitely. Who do you – who out of those – out of the number one and number two projected seeds – Who's your best guess to win it all, not counting Duke? Okay, let me give you the number two seeds then. Uh, last week it was Michigan, North Carolina, LSU, scandal ensuing, and Kentucky. This week the number two seeds are projected as Tennessee, Gonzaga, Michigan, and North Carolina. <clears throat> okay, so LSU just lost. Now the scandal that's ensuing is their head coach on a wiretap got uh, caught bribing one of their star players that turned the season around, basically. But they, uh, they put the coach on suspension. They didn't fire him. Uh, uh, basically, uh, pending an investigation. Um, I'm not sure what this guy was thinking, talking to a player about money. That's where you have boosters for. Uh, you don't need to be caught on a wiretap. It's talking about money to a player. You call up a booster and tell him to make the phone call. Yeah, that was just dumb. It was just dumb. Okay, so out of the, not not being Duke, who do I like? Uh, Virginia, I don't like because they get streaky. Where they will, they, they can score points and play defense, but they'll get cold on offense every now and then. But they won't score a lot of points. And we saw that against Florida State, where Florida State played. Florida State's a very good team. Make no mistake about that. Uh, you know, Florida State, you know, played Duke tough. They, they beat Virginia. Uh, Tennessee is kind of up and down to me. Uh, Michigan State has some injuries. I really like the way, and today's going to be a very good factor, and I'm going to watch all the games today. I have all three TVs gone. I want to see what Kentucky looks like today. And quite frankly, even though North Carolina lost to Duke by one yesterday, I really like that Carolina team on a neutral floor. How do you pull off watching three different TVs? Like, where, how, do you, how do you get all three games? Uh, well, I have two uh, satellite dish receivers from Dish, and I have uh, one uh, the Fox went down before the football season two years ago. They gave me a digital um, electric antenna that works really, really well. So I can put on uh, CBS or ABC and then put on two different games on the, on the sat. I got you. I, that, it was the third one that was confusing me. I couldn't figure out how you were getting that third one, but using the antenna, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Did you, that's a, Mark, you still there? Mark. 
Mark? Sorry about that, folks. I don't know if it just went dead there or not or if JP's been talking. Uh, JP, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. You just all of a sudden went away. You, you kind of got cr- crackly on me, and then you just went away. Yeah, got the uh, dreaded uh, phone disconnection sound, but it let me join right back into the show. I, this might be or have something to do with uh, their their um, their delay processing thing going on. I don't know. Uh, but looks like we're, it looks like we're back be. And, and right back. Oh, you know what? Stuff. I'm sorry. You know what, Mark? That's what my mom met in the text. She's like, I hear you. She, so we're on air because she said that she heard us when we were talking about that delay message. That that's what that text said. I couldn't figure it out. Okay, excellent, excellent. Uh, so I, what I, I just apologize. Who was it that you said uh, not counting Duke? Who was your favorite to win the whole thing? Well, I, I do. I'm a big fan of North Carolina right now with the way they're playing their ball, and I really want to see what Kentucky does today against uh, Tennessee. Because uh, I do, Kentucky is always one of those teams, you get them in the tournament play, and they just seem, with, with Calipari, they just seem to just just raise their level of the game to a level where you just don't see a lot. And that's why I want to see how they play today on a neutral floor here. Um, the, the SEC tournament is in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, so it's a neutral floor. Kentucky will travel well, even though it's in, ten, in Nashville. But uh, I want to see how they play today on the neutral floor because Kentucky will be well represented there. Yeah. I mean, I think we all are, are plenty well aware of it. Kentucky is just always a thorn in everyone's side in the NCAA tournament. I'm not a huge fan of that school, nothing against them. I just get tired of seeing them win all the time. Uh, so I, I, I don't want them in there, but you know, if, if Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, if we end up with, you know, two of those guys in the final four, That'll be depressing. So I, I haven't actually we, – we haven't seen the brackets yet, so we don't know which of these teams are going to be in the same brackets or not. But I just hope at least uh, – I hope that North Carolina is either in Kentucky or Duke's bracket so that we don't get three of those four teams uh, down in the nitty-grit. I, I just I, – I, that would just drive me crazy. So um, show you – you're showing the last four in for the tournament. You want to run over those real quick? Yeah, so last week, the last four in, and the reason I'm saying last week is because from last week when the conference, um, the, the, the regular conference season ended, and now the conference champion or conference tournaments are going on, I'm just kind of giving you a heads up of, of how people are thinking from different sports sources. I looked at a bunch of different sports sources and came up with this list. My last four in last, four in last week were Alabama, Arizona State, Furman, and Clemson. Clemson did lose in the tournament earlier to, to advance in the ACC tournament to uh, NC State. So I've got the, this week, the first last four in is NC State, Belmont, Temple, and St. John's. Temple did get beat last night, but they have a resume. I think that gets them in the tournament. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I do see that they're showing uh, IU as the uh, last four out, and that's a bummer. I'm always always hoping to see IU in the tournament, but I know they've they've kind of underwhelmed this year, especially considering they had kind of more talent uh, in the, on their team than we thought would be necessarily to make it. So of those teams that have already punched their ticket, um, mm-hmm. not many of those teams – I don't recognize many of those teams as being – dominant forces uh, uh maybe northeastern but i not or i'm thinking of northwestern actually um yeah, I, don't I, know, northwestern. I don't know like none of those teams seem that good a- out of all those teams who do you think has the best chance of moving past their first game 
Uh, I'll tell you right now, it's going to be Murray State with uh, J.A. Moran. Moran's going to be the third pick of the draft. It's going to go Zion, Redick, and J.A. Moran from Murray State. J.A. Moran is a human highlight reel of dunks right now for Murray State. It's absolutely insane what this, guy, this kid's doing. So the, the, the pick after that is the other kid from Duke. So it's going to be three Duke players in the top four and J.A. Morant from Murray State. So anytime you have a talent like that on your team, I look at Murray State maybe making a pass the second round depending where they're seated. Well, and we definitely know that about basketball, right? Having that one transcendent player is enough to lift you over a lot of other teams even if the rest of your team isn't that great. So I agree with you that having that, that amazing player, we saw it with Carmelo Anthony, right? He couldn't do, I yep. mean, he can certainly score, but in the NBA, he never, uh, he was never like a, a, a truly dominating force, but boy, in that NCAA tournament, that guy just took Syracuse on his back and, and took him right to a title. So be interesting to see what oh, yeah, happens. How crazy would it, or how much fun would it be to see one of these kind of teams win it one year? You know, like we came, kind of came well, close you to. Well, got to remember, uh, we, we, we've, we've come close. We've had Butler in a final, I believe, against Duke. Um, yep. You know, that's one of those things that were out there. I think Wichita State made it to a Final Four. Uh, last year we had Loyola Chicago make it close to the dance or from, to the finals. Um, you know, we've had some team goes on, go on magical runs. It's always when, you, when, you, when we get the pairings tomorrow night, and we look at the seating, there's always got to be that one spot you look at, and there's going to be a bracket, and you look at a team, and you're going to look like on, well, they can win that game. Well, they have a chance to win that game. If they win that game, they're in the Final Four, or they're, they're in the Elite Eight and then the Final Four. So you have that one team that gets bracketed somewhere that, that you look at that they have a strong enough team that they could legitimately, legitimately make a run um, to get somewhere in a tournament. So... And it's always fun to see if the five twelve rule show, uh, holds still uh, holds firm. We did have that one year, either last year, or year before, or maybe it's even three years ago now, where all of the number five seats beat the twelve seeds, and that was the first time that had happened in a long time. It used to be kind of a trendy thing to take all the twelve seeds in your brackets to try and snag that uh, that extra win, uh, you know, on top of everyone else. Right. So, see what happens this year. We don't know the rankings yet. We'll know these things on Sunday. Uh, you know, looking forward to the Sunday selection show, and it should be. Uh, I don't know if there's any. I don't think there's going to be any like huge surprises, you know, because it seems like we we know who the top probably twelve seeds are going to be overall, and so I think that takes a lot of the uh, mystery out of it, and it really comes down to if you have a smaller school that's your alma mater and you want to see if they get in. That's kind of excuse me where more of the uh, intrigue I think comes from in this year's selection show. Do you know what time it is tomorrow? Uh, the selection show tomorrow should be probably like five uh, o'clock, four four o'clock Eastern yeah. or six six o'clock Eastern. It's usually one of them. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, trying trying to try and grab a little prime time real estate since there's no big time sporting event that I'm aware of going on tomorrow. So um, unless there's a big Daytona race, but. Those are usually in the daytime, and 500 was last. No, those, yeah, no. Usually about four o'clock in the afternoon is is right when, right five o'clock news comes on uh, on the East Coast because I'm from, you know, I'm a, I was born on the East Coast. So around four o'clock, six o'clock is when they try to they try you you know East CBS or ESPN will, will sneak this. It'll be should be CBS. will sneak this in for the selection committee. Um, 
it's going to be some interesting. I've got some. Uh, I've got uh, the Sports Illustrated bracket watch up here for what they've picked so far for the regions, and uh, there's some interesting schools like uh, an Auburn here from the SEC that that has an interesting uh, matchup. They're going to be. Looks like they might be in the North Carolina bracket, but there's there's some interesting schools in here that you might you know you might think of maybe good, maybe bad, but they might have some good, like Marquette might, might have a good matchup there because um, they're going to be in the tournament. Um, Utah State won themselves in. I mean, St. Mary's won themselves in by beating Gonzaga and beating them handily, so you can't count out on St. Mary's. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, I won't ever count anybody out because there's nothing more exciting than seeing a Cinderella story go a couple of rounds deep. So, uh, I'll root for all of them. I just all I care about is I want to see Duke lose, and I know it's terrible, <laughs> but I just I just want to see him lose. I, I don't want to see them get into the go deep into the tournament. It's always it's kind of like when the Yankees go down at the end of the season in baseball. It's always kind of a little celebration that I have. Uh, in not you know same thing with the Patriots, right? The Patriots get knocked out. It's like at least it won't be them. <laughs> at least it'll be somebody else. So, um, first get, playing game will be Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, first playoff game. Uh, I got to switch over uh, sites here. Hold on, I got to switch my. Sorry, I got to switch something up here real quick. Whoops. That's all good. I'm just kind of curious about. Um, Whoops. Because I know Friday we were going to have our draft, but then we had to change it uh, to Sunday because of the tournament. And so I'm just kind of wondering when it actually gets started. Also, because you got to get your brackets in pretty quick. Oh yeah, yeah. So let's see here. Um, let me just see if I can pull up the the playing games. Uh, first playing game will be Tuesday, March nineteenth. Tuesday. No, that's not possible. Yeah, they oh. pick on Sunday, nineteenth. Okay. Because the, gotcha. the the regular tournament starts Thursday. The playing games will be Tuesday, Wednesday. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I I didn't realize what day it was. <laughs> I think it was. I didn't realize it was. The <laughs> so Ides of March was yesterday, and nothing crazy happened. Darn it! Always, always kind of hyping, hoping something. Oh, that's happened. right. That was the fifteenth. Well, something crazy happened to me, but I'm not going to even go into it. <laughs> yeah, man. Don't 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 bring those S and M stories onto the show. So go ahead and keep those. <laughs> Uh, bad news for the Dodgers. Well, not bad news, but disappointing that Kershaw is not going to be ready for opening day. They don't think. They have not said for sure, but they're estimating that he won't quite be in there. Uh, he is throwing bullpen sessions. He threw one on Thursday. Uh, no problem going on. No, uh, no report of pain or discomfort. Has another bullpen session on Monday. I don't even think there was ever anything that serious. I think that they are just going to take the long, careful route because of the fact they've got so much depth. But it is obviously not what you want to hear. But the reason I bring this whole thing up is, so Kershaw is going to be out for opening day, and uh, and uh, uh, Luis Severino for the Yankees is also got a little bit of a shoulder thing and is going to be out until May. And the re- and this is these are two 
exceptionally talented pitchers that are going to be hurt to start this. Boy, if you decided to instead load up on three hitters in your fantasy baseball draft next week, you could do that and conceivably pick up Severino and Kershaw in a fourth and fifth round. Obviously, it depends on who you're drafting with. In my league, it probably won't be that severe. Maybe you could do a pair of hitters and get both of them in the third and fourth round. And again, you're you're taking two pitchers who won't be starting in the first week of the season and maybe not the first month of the season. And that's always, there's always that danger that it's an extensive injury and takes him out for a long term, a la Brandon Webb, uh, one of the last years that he was a viable ace. So there is the risk involved. But, this, you know, winning fantasy championships, a lot of times it's just about value and about getting the players when you shouldn't have been able to wait for them. And I think that's what you're seeing here. Uh, a good chance of this with Kershaw and Severino, two guys who could easily rattle off 15 wins and have 200 plus strikeouts. But you are taking the risk of these pro- these injuries being longer term. But they're both legitimate ace types. Imagine having two aces on your team and not taking either one of those players in your first two or three picks. So could be a nice boon for people. Um, also in baseball, uh, Harper has got a bruised foot. They say there's no big deal, but yep. you do you do have to wonder why why do you even bring it up then? Like, is it just because he just signed the contract and they're going to watch everything super close, or did did he look bad enough? Someone said something and now they have. Oh, I, I I think it was because he was on the MLB Network playing the, the, the Pirates. It was on television. When he suffered the bruise? Yeah, I think everybody saw it. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I'm sure that doesn't help uh, in terms of making making people skittish. Uh, just, and all of it, obviously, just because of all the all the money they sunk into him and and, are, and, and p- placing the the expectations of the entire franchise on his shoulders. So, um, let's see. In the uh, it, there's not a whole lot of other big time news that I've seen in baseball this week. It just kind of seems to be just playing out the games and you know trying to get to get ready for the regular season. It's kind of it's kind of hit that boring part where you don't want to get too excited about players who are hitting well or pitching well because you may going up be going up against someone who literally could not care less uh, the result of what they do uh, in those games. They just want to practice something. And they're like, I'm trying to hit balls down the third base line. If I strike out or pop up because I don't do it right, that's fine. I have free at-bats to try and learn how to do that. Pitcher going in there who says, you know what, I'd really like to see if I can develop a split finger. And in the process of trying to do it, they are still hanging that splitter and it's getting mashed for touchdown or a touchdown, uh, home run uh, every time they throw it. And that's not something to be concerned about because they're waiting to see if it becomes a viable pitch. And the only time to really practice it and see viability is against live competition. And that is in spring training. So again, don't ever get too wrapped up or too excited about what you see. There are some guys who are having a fantastic spring that you may be thinking, Oh, I got to get that guy on my radar for uh, my draft. Don't change their position in your drafting table or your drafting list very much based on their spring performance, unless this is a person coming back from injury and you want to see that it looks like they're fully healthy. That's the only time that that should have an effect on your rankings based on spring training, training performance. So, uh, but again, not much else going on. Uh, 
in uh, in Major League Baseball. We're just kind of waiting on this fight. And for, for all the people out there, Mark, I just I just want to bring this up real quick for everybody. Um, right now is when they're starting to designate players to the minor leagues. You know, like the the Phillies just designated a pitcher back to the minors um, to start the season. So you're going to start seeing player assignments fill out for the minor league teams uh, right now too. Absolutely. Yep. This is this is when you, when you know they're not going to make it in the big leagues, and you just wanted to get get give them uh, sometimes inviting a player to spring training who you know is not quite ready is kind of a reward for a good season the year before. And it's like, you know what? Keep your head up. Keep focusing. Keep playing hard. You're doing everything we like. You're not ready to play for the big team yet, but here's a little reward for you. You get a little taste of it uh, for a couple of weeks. So, you know, yeah, don't ever read too much into that stuff. Uh, A lot of these things are done just to get all the members of the 40-man roster into camp. And if you don't know what the 40-man roster is, in baseball, you're only allowed to have 40 players that are eligible to play in the big leagues. Now, you can take players off of that. You could put put players on that. But there's also certain protections for a player that's on that list. So if you have a minor leaguer that you want to have no question getting away from your franchise, you put them on that 40-man roster, even though they're not going to be ready to play in the big leagues that whole year because it uh, allows certain protections if someone tries to sign them away. Uh, and you are trying to renew their deal. Just a contract thing. So anyway, uh, move over to the NBA. There are a few things that are standing out. So first one is the Lakers are terrible. They're seven games under 500. They're, I don't know how many games out of the last playoff spot, like eight or nine. Uh, This is going to be the first year that LeBron misses the playoffs. And first time he's going to miss the finals in seven years. Is this does this all matter, or is it was this just kind of a throwaway year in trying to establish a new legacy in L.A. and then bring in guys over this next off season? Well, you know, there's been funny reports coming out of L.A. right now about there was a thought about trading LeBron this year to bring in actual a couple players to make this team legitimate because what they're finding out is players don't want to come play with LeBron. Well, what makes and you LeBron's say that? a coach killer because right now um, Walton's getting recruited by uh, another team who's undisclosed about coming a coach for them because they know Walton's not going to be there next year because it's not LeBron's guy. So who is it you think that LeBron wants to have there? Uh, in between, I mean, he wanted KD. He wanted um, the Unibrow. Um, I think he wants. Coach. What's I mean, that? I meant coach. Oh, coach. Uh, that's a really good question. I have no idea. Um, he did not get along with Spolster in Miami to get, begin with, but Pat Riley told him he better start getting used to getting used to him because he's not going anywhere, and he did. So I don't know who – I'm not 100% sure who they, they would bring in as a top coaching candidate right now. Uh, there's no one that really comes off the top of my head that's really on the open market that I can think of, and I haven't really heard of any coaches – being batted around that much because I just watched uh, I watched first take it no I watched first take the third or Wednesday and Thursday when the TV my TV was in and out a little bit on Wednesday with our bomb blizzard there but uh, you know I haven't really heard names getting batted around yet but I know Jeannie Buss because right now they're not looking at Magic Johnson with a lot of very very nice anecdotes right now 
And Jeannie Buss was thinking about getting rid of LeBron because she think it, it, it was tearing the team apart. Uh, basically, and they weren't going to get at pretty much anywhere coming up in the near future. They've already shut down Lonzo. They shut down uh, Kuzma for the year. LeBron's on a playing minute restriction. I mean, we knew it was going to be a throwaway year, but no one knew it was going to be this bad. They figured they'd get into the playoffs. Most people did. And probably lose in the first round or maybe win a first-round matchup and lose in the second. No one thought they'd be this far out of the playoffs and playing such bad basketball right now. Well, I think if LeBron hadn't gone down with his injury where they lost like 13 of 14 or whatever it was when he was hurt, then we'd be looking at a whole different team right now. I mean, if this team was – you give this right. team a 10-game a, a ten game swing, they're five or six games above 500, and they're probably in that last – or probably even above that last playoff slot. So I don't think that uh, – I think it was just a bad luck in terms of those injuries. And also with Ball, I mean, that's one of their big scores being out for a lot of the year. doesn't help. I, I think what's interesting to think about is – you know, and and the new commissioner, well, like he's not even a new commissioner now, but uh, Silver has not had many allegations of impropriety as been as he, when he's been the commissioner. But we all remember the rumors about the envelopes that were pulled out of a freezer so that you could tell which one was the number one pick and uh, or who they wanted to have the number one pick be and 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 move that uh, that jersey placard to the bottom so that that person would be unveiled. Wondering if we could have a frozen Lakers placard put in the freezer to identify <laughs> them for the number one pick because they could pick up Zion and pair him with LeBron and uh, could say, Hey, here's the next big thing. And as we're starting to transition out of the old big thing, you know, that, and that gives the Lakers a legitimate superstar for the future to go with the current superstar. You know, I, I, it's not, to me, it's not a crazy thought. You know, especially if they somehow can tank a little bit more and get themselves a few more of those uh, ping pong balls. Well, it's it's, it's interesting because it is a, it is a draft lottery. It's a lottery draft, so you know, odds are you know we have the most ping pong balls. You're going to get that first pick. Sometimes it doesn't happen. I think the Knicks have gotten screwed on that a couple different times of years. Oh, They've been yeah. so bad for so long. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see who gets that number one overall pick. I, I, I know the Bulls, I have a horrible record. Uh, I think their record's like 10 and 91. What's that? So the worst team, they're 19 and 51. The worst team okay, in each division are the Knicks are 13 and 56, and the Phoenix Suns are 16 and 54. That's right. Okay, I just I just pulled those up here real quick. So, ugh. God, the Knicks are so bad. <laughs> they are, you know, they. Uh, well, there's just, I mean, they jettisoned all the talent they had three years ago, and they haven't picked up anybody since. And they, I don't know why New York. They seem to think that playing for the Knicks is a big enough draw that at one of these years they're going to reel in all the big free agents, but that never happens. You know, the big-time free agents don't usually want to go there. Amaro Stoudemire went there, and it was evident right after he got there that the guy was in the decline of his career. Same thing with Carmelo. They they trade for Carmelo from the Nuggets, and Carmelo, I don't think Carmelo ever even cared, to be honest with you. I don't think he ever that cared that much about basketball. I think for him it was just a place to have fun, make some money, and he was all about living the life. You know, I mean, he and his wife, you know, moved out to New York, they want, I mean, they were living there before he got, before he was playing there, you know, and I, I think that's part of their problem is the Knicks 
think that people want to come play for them. And I think the only chance they have is really that players want to live in New York. And if, if a player wants to live in New York and it's the first decision maker, isn't, I want to play for your team, then that's the kind of player you're going to get. You're going to get a guy who's not entirely focused. And I, I think that's why the Knicks have not been good for a while. Do you think that's possible? Well, you hit a couple of good points there. That yeah, that's possible. The other one is uh, Dolan, the guy in charge. Uh, he just he's not good at putting basketball teams together. He's he's taking risks. I mean, look, I mean, when's the last time we can besides you know Carmelo being there, uh, Patrick Ewing comes to mind. Uh, you know, um, name some other players that were in New York when they had decent teams. I mean, the last time they were even. In line for championships is you have to go back into the '90s and the '80s. Yeah, I mean Oakley was good, Stark was good. Uh, who else would they have that was on that team that was good? They had a few other players. Uh, I, I, the last time I remember the Knicks really being relevant was when they went to the title game against the Spurs, and that must have been all the way back in like 2000, yeah, 2000 or 1999 maybe. So I think that's the last time the Knicks the Knicks were competitive and they lost that to uh, the Admiral and, and Tim Duncan. So yep. just, just kind of sad for a franchise that wants to be big time. And, and at one time was kind of big time, but they've never been, you know, they never pulled off their Yankee kind of ascent, you know, that they've, that they're wanting, that they've always wanted. Um, but, you know, uh, it, I guess when you've got that many sports and that much stuff going on, no one's going to care that much. Do you feel bad for Spike Lee, though, you know, sitting courtside for all those games when your team is terrible? Same thing with Jack Nicholson now with the Lakers, you know, over the last few years. It's got to be hard, though, just, you know, and I, I, I give them all the credit in the world for still supporting their team. You know, that's great. But, boy, it is hard to go watch your team boring really quick. So, anyway, uh, the Nuggets uh, are still in second place, and they're still holding on to that second seed. Uh they haven't actually locked that up, even though our radio was talking about that. They, they they haven't locked it up. They are only three games ahead of the Rockets right now and four or three and a half ahead of Portland. Either way, this is still one of the most monumental turnarounds, you know, in, in, in quite a while in basketball. I mean, the Nuggets have been an afterthought for years. And now in the city here with the Broncos not having competed last year and uh, with the Rockies not starting up yet, this has been a big kind of big boon for the city here uh, that we live in here in Denver. And they look like they're legit. They don't look like a team that's going to falter uh, when they get to the playoffs. But if their matchups versus the Warriors this year are any indication of what's going to happen if they meet in the playoffs, they could easily get swept by Golden State. Do you think, uh, do you think the Nuggets could, could put any kind of resistance to the Warriors based on what they've learned playing them this year so far? Or, or is it just is it just a disaster waiting to happen? Well, this is what I said to myself watching the game last Friday night, um, and watching them get dominated and purely just outclassed on the court. I mean, they're they're still missing a player, I think, even though they are in second place. Right. Um, that could drop here at the end of the season. Yeah, they they did just beat the Mavericks by one the other night, um, but you said they don't really have that second spot really tightly locked up yet. If they no. have to play the Warriors, I'd said they'd probably get beat four games to one because I think they would take one game here in Denver. So just because of the altitude, and it's a series, it's not 
you're coming in for a game and you're leaving for a game. I think they would take one game in Denver. It'd probably be game ugh, I, I hate well, to say four. It right? would miss the first one. It'd have to be three or four. Um unless they somehow miraculously get home court advantage home court advantage. I mean they're only one back right now still. <laughs> So, I mean, you still have to look at that. I mean, if they can get home court advantage, they might lose four games to two. Because, I, I, like I said, I, if you looked at the talent discrepancy and uh, on, on the floor that night, it was – I watched the game, the whole game, because it was on right after the Sixers lost to the Rockets. It, there was a huge talent discrepancy on that floor, and you could tell. It showed. And they were down by, you know, 20 points a couple different times. And I know they, they, they got close at one point, I, th- I believe in the third, where they broke it down to maybe 11 or 8 points, and then the, the Warriors just took off on it again. And they were up by 21 within, like, two minutes. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, it's still they're doing fantastic. It's a, it's a wonderful boon, and they couldn't be more proud uh, of what the team, the, the season they put together. I just hope that they doesn't, oh, yeah. it doesn't – I just hope it doesn't, uh, I don't know, like hurt their confidence too much or – or put too much of a negative taste in their mouth if they do get slaughtered by the Warriors, because they I, I, they do need to realize how amazing that team is and how much crazy talent they have uh, in in levels that the the Nuggets are, can't even really dream of. Even though in a few years maybe their their team will have blossomed that way, but I mean just that stat you saw on ESPN a couple of days ago that they've got two players on their team. They've got uh, uh, Trey Thompson and his Splash Brother partner. Uh, Curry have both had seven seasons of like 300 three pointers or 300 points by three pointers or something like that. And no other team has ever had one player or two players over five. Right. It, it, the, the, and I can't figure out how they keep that team together. That's what's really kind of shocking me is somehow they have four guys who could be demanding like max deals still playing for them. So I mean, I, I maybe it's just they're they're just a lot of unselfish players, and it's like, hey, you know what? I'm fine just making 13 million instead of 16 million because I want to keep winning titles and, and just being a dominant, you know, uh, legacy mm-hmm. or, um, you know, uh, what do you call those things? Uh, dynasty. Boy, dynasty. Thank you. Can you tell that my work weeks have been pretty crazy the last couple weeks? <laughs> uh, holy cow, man! I tell you what, sometimes I do want to apologize out. To everyone out there, if you have enjoyed the uh, uh, wax pack unwrapping and wax box breaking videos that Nate Dog has been doing, uh, I meant to have like six or seven of those up now. There's only two right now. I get home from work sometimes and my mind literally just blanks out and I'm just kind of a zombie until I go to bed uh, because I just am using way too much brain power during the day. Uh, I will get some of those up this weekend. I do apologize for that, but we do love the support. You can check that out on our YouTube station at the Sports Offensive. Um, we didn't go over all of our other metrics, but, you know, it always does help us if you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We're on both of those uh, under the handle at, well, at symbol, the SPT Offensive, or also on Instagram, the Sports Offensive with underscore between the words. And uh, you can always go to our website and catch the latest videos uh, of Nate's unboxing and unwaxing catching all our latest episodes of our shows and catching all the previous episodes of all three of our podcasts, including the fancy baseball special that we did last week had a nice response to that. We do appreciate everybody listening to that one. We're going to do one more of those this week. We don't know which day yet, probably on either a Monday, Tuesday, 
or Wednesday. Try and give you just, uh, we'd like to run over basically rounds six through like 12 or so in your draft. Because those first rounds, while they are absolutely critical to building your fantasy baseball team, you really need to be very attentive for your filler players that finish filling out your lineup outside of your superstars, because those are the guys who are going to make the difference oftentimes, whether or not you win or lose. And if you haven't heard our baseball fantasy special number one, go back and listen to that. You can find it on our website at thesportsoffensive.com. You can also find it on blog talk radio under our, under our show. That one, we reviewed the pitching position, both starters and closers. And we, we went into pretty deep analysis uh, over the first 50 to 100 pitchers that are on the board there. And more than anything else, trying to point out where the value can be found, where there's players that are going to be going later than their overall point total should suggest at the end of the season with the disclaimer of we're probably wrong about everything. So just know that going in, but I think it's an enjoyable <laughs> for, for anyone out there that wants to tune in. I, I think it is kind of an enjoyable show. So um, let's see here. Um, you know, how close are we to the hockey playoff starting? I know we're in basketball. We're down to about, uh, let's see, the 60s, so about 10 games. Is it that close in the end? Uh, we're getting still? real close here. The Avs are three points now. Let me just uh, let me give you one quick point here. I wanted to bring it up because it's pretty impressive. So we were talking Nuggets. There's Nuggets are 29 and six at Pepsi Center at home. There's only one team in all the NBA that has a better record at 27 and five. The Milwaukee Bucks in ah. first place in the they're they're in first place in the East right now. Um, three games ahead of, of Toronto. Um, yeah, twenty-seven and five at home, and 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 the Nuggets are twenty twenty-nine and six. Wow, be a fun uh, be a fun NBA Finals if they could both get into it. You know, NBA needs to come up with a better name for the Finals because that's just boring. You know, you it got is. the Stanley Cup, <laughs> you got the Super Bowl, you got the World Series, and you got the Finals. Uh, as you know. Come on, Silver, get on that and 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 fix that up a little bit. But yeah, and you, think, you think a commissioner like him would have a? Uh, there is a name for that trophy. I just don't know what I've got in my head. Uh, but do you think he'd come up with a better name for the whole thing? Oh, the trophy name for the M- NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any idea what that's called. There, that shows you there, right? Because I mean. I don't even well, I, but see, I don't even know what baseball is called now because it's got changed the name a couple times. It might even be like the Hank Aaron or the I don't know what no, the, I, know. I don't even know what the one's called anymore. Super Bowl, the, is there a name for that trophy? The Lombardi. Oh, it's the Lombardi. That's right. Duh. And then uh, is it Con Smythe for for hockey? Uh, no, it's the Stanley Cup. The Con Smythe is um, the uh, Con Smythe is uh, your MVP of the playoffs. Oh, it's the MVP. What's this trophy for the best regular season record? President's Cup? Uh, well, there's the, your, you, you get a cup for winning your, the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. It's, um, uh, what's the cup's name? Uh, is it the Adams Cup? And the, it's the Campbell Cup and uh, the Adams Cup? God, I'm I'm drawing a blank here for some reason, because I'm looking at my empty pool, hot tub, and and uh, lazy river that they're supposed to have done by Memorial Day weekend. They better. Oh, <laughs> you gotta have that done by the by that weekend. Holy cow! Oh no, so yeah, so it was the President's Trophy I was thinking of, 
with the best record yeah, in the, the NHL. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to probably go to Tampa Bay this year because Tampa is just that darn good. Um, they have 112 points right now. Next best team in the Eastern Conference has 93, so they're nine ahead of that. In the Western Conference, uh, the Calgary Flames in the Pacific Division have 95 points. As we stand right now, um, the wild card, I think Philly sealed their fate of not getting a wild card here with a loss to the Caps 5-2 on Wednesday night this week. And right now, the Avalanche are, oh, they dropped to four points out of the last wild card spot. They're at 72 points. Um, oh, wait a second. That's, I'm sorry, they're three, three, wait, wait. Five points, five points. 77 points, the Coyotes are in the last spot of the wild card. And the Avs have 72 points. They've lost two straight. Um, like I said, I, it's, it's not looking. We're getting to the nitty-gritty here. We've got about ten more games. Um, the Flyers have lost two straight. So, I, it's, God, ugh, the Avalanche were doing so good at the start and in, in, in the middle of the season to, to have, them, have them out of the playoffs right now is just, uh, it's just heartbreaking. Uh, you know, but it's at least they're at least they're going in the right direction. They've been they've been floundering badly for a number of seasons, and uh, they've got that wonderful first line. So that you know, hopefully, keep that together over the next season, and then they can add something to get a few other lines of prominence. Uh, I think they'll be okay. So you know, it's all right. It's, it's a good move. It's a good step in the right direction. Uh, I'm yeah, actually I'm looking on. Here. I'm looking at the listing of the trophies. Uh, in hockey, and there are a lot of trophies. I was going to see if I can if I can name a few. I want to see if you know what they are. You up for that challenge? Yeah. yeah. So I think you I think you just named this one. I'm sure you'll get this one. I think you just named it the Hart Memorial Trophy. What's that for? Say that one more time. The Hart Memorial Trophy. Oh, the Hart Memorial Trophy is that that's comeback player of the year? Nope, just player judged most valuable to his team. Uh, let's okay. Oh, this is an interesting one. Lady Bing Memorial Trophy. Oh, the Lady Bing. Um, I think that's for the best goalie of the year. No, this is awarded to the player who exhibited outstanding sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct combined with a high standard of playing ability. Boy, yeah, that is right. I'm bad on my trophies right now. <laughs> well, they have a lot of trophies. Yeah, these are obscure, and a lot of these were formed back in the 1920s. I didn't even know they had an NHL back in the 1920s. Uh, yeah, they hand down a lot of trophies. How about the Vizina Trophy? Oh, now the Vizina. The Vizina, I should know this one. It's actually the way you said for the one. Yeah, it's, it's the goalie of the year. Yep. Uh, how about the Calder Memorial Trophy? The Calder Memorial, Calder Memorial, well, the Cal, boy, the, well, the, the Calder Cup is the AHL trophy, so the Calder, that might be for the rookie of the year. Got it. There you go. Uh, let's see. How about Art Ross trophy? Art Ross. That one I'm not going to know. That is total points. At the end of the regular season. Okay. Uh, James Norris Memorial Trophy. Oh, the Norris. Uh, 
this has to do with something with Canada. It, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it is awarded to the best defenseman of the year. Okay. So there's the next is the Con Smythe Trophy. So that one, the difference being that that one is for the most valuable player in the playoffs, not the regular right. season. Right. And there's a uh, how about the Bill Masterson Memorial Trophy? Oh, the Masterson. Oh, I should know this one too. The Masterson. This thing, this is kind of a weird award. Not weird. No, that's why I should know it. It's, I, 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 I can remember the Masters, the Masterson name, and I remember it is a weird award. Um, so I'm just drawing blanks today. I would probably, I guess, call it like maybe your best. Um, well, so the definition is it's awarded to the player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. So maybe you give that to who you consider your best ambassador for the league. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I, I, I can't remember the one, the one player that won one of the, the, one of the years ago did a lot of charity work with hospitals, cancer patients, so on and so forth. Can't remember who it was and how many years ago it was. That's why, that's why I should have known that one. It was named after Bill Masterson, the only player in NHL history to die as a direct result of injuries suffered during a game. Exactly. Yeah. For you. Well, we could have done that. We could do that for a sports trivia question. Uh, uh, that Ted, was just a, that I saw that as a sports trivia question somewhere about in their sports, like uh, Hank Gathers died on the court um, playing college basketball. Uh, people that died directly in, as a result of the sport. Yeah, and I think Masterson had a massive heart attack on the ice. Oh, damn. Yikes. Um, how about the Ted Lindsay Award? Ted Lindsay sounds like it should go to um, one of the top assist men in the league. Um, well, no. So it's awarded to the NHL's outstanding player as selected by the members of the NHL Players Association. So I guess okay. it's if you're the, voted the best player by your by your fellow players, I guess. So, um Yeah, yeah the players vote on that one. How about the Jack Adams Award? Jack Adams. Boy. Let's see, we're getting to some obscure guys. I do know the NHL has a lot of awards. Uh getting to some obscure ones. Uh um, That one is coach of the year. And okay. then Right. We've got the Frank, J, the Frank J. Seek Award, which is for the forward that excels in the defensive aspects, aspects of the game. William M. Jennings is for the goaltender having played a – wow, that is – oh, the fewest points scored against. Okay, yeah, these are starting to get – these are starting to Gold get very – scored against, yeah. Yeah, there's actually well, a market. There's one you haven't named here yet because they uh, and one of the players in the Hall of Fame here, one of the all-time greats. You haven't mentioned um, the Mark Messier NHL Leadership Award yet. Yeah, that one was created in 2007, and the player that exemplifies great leadership qualities. I don't know what that even really means, um, but the guy. By the way, a lot of a lot of these awards are currently held by uh, Vegas Golden Knights. There's also the uh, well, there's the NHL General Manager of the Year Award, which I'm guessing you can figure out what that one's for. Uh, that's the only one that doesn't isn't named after someone, huh? Those are kind of interesting. I thought it'd be kind of cool to kind of run through those. I, uh, they've always had 
you know, all those trophies. It's kind of like in college, they have all those awards that are kind of named after a player that played that position. And if you're not a person that knows who those players are, then you don't really ever understand what the award is. Like, what's the award for the best linebacker in college? Is that the, uh, the best linebacker in college? It is uh, – uh, um, uh, this is on the tip of my tongue. It's not it's, Dick Buckus Award? Is it the Buckus Native. Award? I, I'm or is asking it the you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the outline of the Buckus. Yeah, I don't know. I have to look it's it up real quick. Uh, it's one of those two. The Butt Kiss Award. Extortionship. Why doesn't it just say something easy here? Uh... Hmm. I don't know. I haven't really. I can't really. I, I, I'm, I'm actually on the. For page. some reason, I think it's I think it's the Outland. I'm I'm just on the Buckus Award page and it doesn't even say what it's for, so that's just weird. Um, oh, he's one of the well, best linebackers. Oh, yeah, that, it is outstanding yeah. linebacker. Outstanding linebacker. Yeah. He will yeah, understand that brings a responsibility to serve others. Oh, interesting. All right. The Doug Walker oh. one, you should know. What's that one? The Doak Walker. What and what is that? Uh, the Doak Walker Award. Just think about the name real quick. Doak Walker. I don't know that name. Uh, best running back. Doak Walker was uh, an all all everything running back back in the day. Did he play for the NFL? Uh, I believe he did. I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember who. Boy, yeah, I couldn't. But I could this, never... this one, this is this is always a great award. How about the Ray Guy Award? Oh, uh, that one. Uh, is that the Offensive Player of the Year? Nope, Best Punter of the Year. Oh, Best Punter of the Year. Wasn't well, wasn't, uh, wasn't wasn't the, the kicker name uh, Guy the in the pet Ace Ventura movies Pet Detective? The kicker no, that, no, that, that was played no, that's Ray Finkel. Oh, Finkel, that's right, Finkel. Well, you know what? We never got a call in from Finkel, so I hope that he's having a good time with his uh, his uh, business venture that he was uh, dealing with today. Uh, oh, he just yeah. said that he just got it just now, so uh, wasn't able to call in. So, uh, but you know, we're down to about um, forty five seconds. Anything else you want to impart to the listeners before we head off for the weekend? Uh, you know, when you're at a, an arena, don't rel, yell state or racial epitaphs at players like Russell Westbrook. It's going to get you a ban from the arena for life out in Salt Lake City. Just be mindful oh. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe focus on the on the sporting event uh, instead of what the race of the player is. That might be a good idea. So, well, anyway, we're down to about 15 seconds. So again, if you can do us help and like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and make sure to catch and videos on our website at thesportsoffensive.com. Have a great weekend. Offensive out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.